says it's recorded. So it means it is, right? <laughs> the seconds, the seconds. Here. So. Tov, Vayakel, the Parsha's Vayakel. Everybody knows that the Parsha Vayakel is very little Rashi. And the reason that there's very little Rashi is because Vayakel is a repeat to some extent of what it says at the beginning of Truma and then Tetzave. And Pekude is a repeat of what it says in, um, in Teruma. Uh, so Rashi did that already. He already explained Truman to Tzaveh. So he doesn't have to explain Vayakel Pekude. So it may be that when we learn, like we're, we may end up in the parish of Truma, because that's where, that's where it is. It's in the parish of Truma. So let's look again. Perik Lamed Hay is the parish of Vayakel. Vayom Moshe El Kol Adat B'nei Yisrael Le'mor. So you know that Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking in the parish of Vayakel, according to Rashi, when he came down from Har Sinai at the second, the second time. And the second time that Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, as we've spoken in the past, was on Yom HaKippurim. Was on Yom HaKippurim, right? Forty days before Yom HaKippurim is Rosh Chodesh Elul. And that's why at least according to the Mishnah Brewer, that's why that period of time from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippurim became a time of special, we make special investments at that time in an attempt to, uh, uh, I, I don't know, in an attempt to kind of raise our spiritual consciousness. Uh, that was the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was Har Sinai and B'nai Yisrael were waiting to receive, waiting to receive the Torah. Now the word zeh, zeh hadavar. You don't have to say zeh. You could say vayomer Moshe kol adat lemor, and then speak. But zeh hadavar, like something you could point out, point at. Maybe because Vayakel and Pekude are a repeat of Truma and Tetzaveh, like Moshe Rabbeinu is reviewing it or repeating it or saying it, saying it over. Chu meitchem Truma l'ashem. Chu meitchem Truma l'ashem. This business about Truma, as was pointed out earlier, is problematic. What's the point of having a Truma? What's the point of donations? Why couldn't uh, God gave them the man and then God gave them the Torah? And why couldn't just give them the Mishkan? I mean, what is this? Why do they need trumot? What is, I mean, this is not, uh, you know, they're not in competition over who's going to be honored at the dinner. You know, the Mishkan dinner. But... uh, they want a mishkan. God says it should be a mishkan. There should be the stuff. What, what is true? And where did they get it from? Where did they get the stuff that they donated from? Kol nadiv libo trumat Hashem Whoever, you give as much as you want. A nadiv. Someone who is charitable. 
מחזיקים זהב הכסף ונחושת, ותחילת וארגמן בתולעת שני ושש ועזים, these were the things that they brought, the raw material, ואורות אלים מאודמים, ואורות תחשים ועצי שיטים, ושמן למאור, ושמים לשמן המשחה, ולקטור את הסמים, ואבני שור, ואבני מילואים, לאפות ולחושת, חושת, וכל כך עמלים בכם. And then there was a call for people who knew how to do things, the Chachme Leiv, the people who were artisans and the people who knew how to work with metals and with special kind of, of uh, you know, all those kind of people were called in. Um, okay, this is how the parasha of... of, of uh, Vayakel begins. And the Pasha Vayakel would not be so remarkable if it was the only Parsha on the Mishkan. If Vayakel Pikudei were the only Parshas in the Torah and Truma and Tetzava were missing or vice versa. But if you look at the Ramban, Yevi'eha et Trumat Hashem. Yevi'eha et Trumat Hashem. Remember that's Pasuk Hei. ויאמר משה כל הדת בני ישראל לאמור זה דורש, היי, כחו לאיתכם תשומה להשם יביאיה, כל נדיב ליבו יביאיה, כמה, את תשומת השם, כמה, זהב וחסד ונחושת. Right? C explains B and B explains A. What does the Ramban says? Say, I'm sorry, יביא, he says those words יביאיה, כמו יביא את תרומת השם, יביא אהה את התרומה, אבל יכנה ויפרש. That the Pesach continues to give it a name and to explain what the תרומה is, right? In opposition, we used to say. I learned grammar when I was a kid. It was in opposition. So, so it says, אבל יכנה ויפרש. וכן... And there are other psukim like that. And then if you look at the first wide line in the Ramban, you see the first wide line in the Ramban, in the middle. Look at the pasuk again. I just wanted to get this. The Ramban says, that the word et, yeviyah et trumat Hashem. So the first interpretation is like simple. Yeviyeha. What's the ha? The ha is a pronoun. What does the pronoun refer to? Trumat Hashem. That's, that's okay. I mean, everybody would say that. I think. I mean, maybe not as well as the Ramban, but more or less, that's what we would say. So then the Rabban says, Al derech ha-emet. Derech ha-emet means Kabbalah for the Ramban. Kabbalah. Don't worry. No one was going to fly away here. All firmly rooted in our seats. He says, Al derech ha-emet. He says, it's some place, some place from Kabbalist in the world of Kabbalah, who kemo yevi'eha im trumat Hashem. In other words, the Ramban says that the word et which is a preposition, right? You know what a preposition is? It's usually a little word. We don't know what it means, and we don't know why it's there, but we make believe. We make believe we know why it's there, right? So, so sometimes they call them 
we call it a direct object marker. And if you could say those words, direct object marker, then you're in that club. In the club of people who could say direct object marker. So when you go to the convention of direct object marker people, you'll see that they stand around the lobby and they say that to each other. Right? Also, oh, but you know, I, I think that what they actually say is direct object marker. So what is a direct object marker? That you know that there's a subject and a verb and an object. That's like a kind of a simple sentence. And an object, there could be a direct object, indirect object, so let's say a direct object. So the word et in Hebrew doesn't mean anything. That's the grace of grammar. It doesn't mean anything, but it tells you what's coming up. A direct object. <laughs> We, we said something. What I mean to say is that it's a word that is empty of meaning. I saw once a 150-page article that somebody wrote, somebody had a lot of patience about the use of the word et in the Tanakh. You had a lot of patience to write an article like that. Just to write it is like beyond belief. It was written by a Dutch... Hebraist in English with Hebrew words in the article. So it was like really super clever. So he says, The word et, very often Rashi says it, that the word et sometimes means im, with. That's all that this means. The only thing is that once you've got that in your mind, what do you do with the Pasuk? What does the Pasuk say? Yevi eha im trumat But im yevi eha means you bring the truma, as the Ramban says. So what does it mean to say to bring truma with truma? Then you have a, then you have a problem. But the Ramban thinks that this idea is important enough to mention. That's what the Pesach says? Right? The divine truma. The divine gift. You bring it with the divine gift. As though there were two different things. What are the two different things that are as though? The truma that you bring and something else that's called trumat Hashem, which could mean the truma from Hashem. Now you bring a truma. What do you bring? Gold and silver, metal, right? That's what you bring for the Beit HaMikdash. And you bring that with trumat Hashem. With the truma, the gift from Hashem. And that's all you have to do is change the word et into the word im. Right? Change the word et, which has no meaning, into the word im, which means with. Now, what possibly could the Ramban be talking about? So just let's finish the Ramban. Uh, he So there's another, like a mystery. Truma the the highest level of truma. 
I don't know what that means. I mean, I don't obviously know what that means, but I think the Ramban must have known what that meant. Because he wrote it, and he, it's words, it's real words, it's not just a, So he says, Besod vayikhu litruma. Vayikhu litruma. Besod? Besod. Sod is a word for, in this case, the real meaning. Sod, of course, means the Kabbalistic meaning. But besod, besod vayikhuli truma. Where does it say vayikhuli truma? Huh? Where does it say vayikhuli truma? In truma? We're in the Pasha of vayakhel. So according to the, according to the Ramban, the first psukim of the Pasha of vayakhel explain the deeper meaning of the first pasuk in truma which says Vaikhuli Truma. That's the Ramban. That's what the Ramban says. And then he says, Ukfa Perashtiv. And I've already explained this to you. He's already explained it, so let's see what the Ramban explained. So the Ramban says this. We see Shemot Per Cafe. Shemot Per Cafe. Pasuk Gimel. Vizota Truma. Asher tikhume itam zahava chesev v'nechoshet. Now that really seems like a pretty straightforward pasuk. Except for one thing. V'zot ha-truma, the word zot. What do you have to say about the word zot? It's another little word. But what does it mean? What does v'zot always mean? It means... It's a pronoun of pointing. Result. <laughs> you could point at something. In that special language of the convention, you know, the people who are coming to talk about language, it's called a dectic pronoun. D-E-I-C-T-I-C. Dectic. Dectic means to point in some language or other. Who knows? Maybe in... Uh, in some language, the Vikings once spoke. A dectic pronoun. Vizota, you could point at it. But that is anomalous. Because they didn't bring the truma yet. There's nothing to point at. So you could say, it doesn't mean that. It means, Vizota truma means, and this is what the truma should be. But if you're an Akshan, you could say, Vizota truma. Here it is. And then Zahav and the doesn't fit in. Just doesn't fit in. Okay. Rashi, Rashi expands on this. And Rashi says, Kulam bo b'nedava. Zahav and Kesav and Nechoshet, they all come, they all come b'nedava. They're, uh, they're a gift. And Rashi says further, Ish, Ish, Rashi goes to explain a different point that that nidava, according to Rashi, means you give as much as you want. But machzida shekel was not a nidava; it was an obligation. Every person had to give machzida shekel. That's this time of the year, right? The time of parashat shkalim. I remind ourselves of the of the obligation to give a shekel later on. The shekel went to Bedekabayit, was used for the Beit HaMikdash uh, to, uh, to fix things, to fix things in the, 
in the Beit HaMikdash. And um, it also was a way of counting the people. Because everybody, they knew how many people there were who were obliged to give Machzit HaShekel. That was always enough. So there was the Kesev of Machzita Shekel, and that was enough for their needs, whatever they needed, and everything extra, but they needed, if they needed anything extra, it came from the Nedava, from the, from the Kesev that was given as a um, so that's, that's what Rashi says. Basically, Rashi uh, distinguishes between Nidava and Chova. Right? The Chova was Machzita Shekel, which is a set amount. Right? A set amount. And the Nidava was a Nidava. You come and you give whatever you want. I think today that, that's also true, that the word Nidava means an unspecified amount of money. Right? That's a nidava. Whereas, you know, a tax, or even if the tax is a voluntary tax, is not called a, a nidava. So that's what, that's what Rashi says. Now, let's learn the Ramban that the Ramban told us to learn, right? The Ramban said, look here, look over there. This is the, uh, this is the Ramban. Rizota Truma. Now you have to follow this carefully. It's not so easy. I mean, it's not so easy to follow. It, you can read it, but it's not so easy to follow. Again, the Ramban is talking... You have to understand that Kabbalah, at least the way I understand it, there are two ma'arachot, there are two uh, divisions in Kabbalah. There is the theory of how man relates to God and how man could hope to achieve some sort of unity with God or unity with something close to God. That's like a, a whole theory that goes back the way we understand it. Right? It goes back to the Arizal and maybe goes back to the Zohar. I mean, it's all that. But then there's another Ma'arechet in Kabbalah. And that is, um, the Kabbalah is like a Midrash. It, it, it identifies problems, like if you learn the Zohar, it identifies problems in the text and it tries to explain them. It's true that it explains it in a special way based on certain ideas about what's going on. Those ideas have a lot to do with achievement, spiritual achievement. That's what's attractive about studying the Kabbalah, I think. Why people like to, because it cuts through, you know, it's like harder, it's harder to, uh, uh, to learn Bava Kama which is about damages and get to some kind of spiritual high than to learn about spiritual highs and get to a spiritual high. But listen to the Rambam. He says, if you knew the Kabbalah, you would recognize who Hashem natan You see the Pasuk under the Rambam, the first Pasuk? It says, Hashem natan So of course, the Kabbalist would say this. The Kabbalist looks at this pasuk. And he says, it's not that Shlomo Amelech was very smart. It's not that like he had a high IQ and he was able to outsmart everybody. But Hashem Natan Chochma Lishlomo. It was something that no one else had. 
right? I mean, I mean, you understand the difference between the first thing I said and the second thing I said? Not that Shlomo Amalek was smart, or that he was even the smarter, smartest person around, but he had divine chokhmah, divine wisdom, which was something that nobody had. Nobody was even close. It wasn't like there was Shlomo HaMelech and then there was number two or somebody else, or number three. Nobody, nothing like that. Right? And you know that Shlomo HaMelech knew the language of the birds and he knew he knew and understood things that nobody else that, that had nothing to do with your IQ. I mean, like people with high IQs generally don't speak to the birds, right? And don't understand what they are saying. But Shlomo Melech had understand. That's the way Chazal uh, uh, took it. That his understanding was not just more than, but it was different than, better than, unexpected kind of chokhmah. Hashem natan chokhmah l'shlomo kasher diber lo v'hi shalom ben chiram ben shlomo v'yichritu brit shneihem. And this peace between chiram and shlomo led to the to the Beit Hamikdash. That's why the Beit Hamikdash was as it was because there was peace between them. So let's go back to the Ramban. We learned a few a, little, a few ideas. Hashem natan chokhmah l'shlomo. What does that have to do? With our pasuk, which is zota truma she tikhu meitem mitem. Right? There's the pasuk. The verb in the pasuk is lakach lamed kufchet to take, and the pos and the, the the verb in the pasuk of Shlomo Melech is Hashem Natan chokmal Shlomo. What is kemol? What is he talking about? V'chein katuv. He says furthermore. There's another pasuk that hints at this un, unclear idea. And what is that other pasuk? That other pasuk is a breshit memtet, pasuk kavchet, right? If you look down at the bottom of the page, the second pasuk, kol eilu shivtei Yisrael shnei masar, v'zot asher biber lehem avihem, v'yivarech otam, ish, again, I'm sorry, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? You understand? He's quoting another pasuk and he's saying, now you get it? <laughs> now it's clear? No, it's not clear. I don't know what you're talking about, Ramban. And then he says, Uchtiv v'zot habracha. Vizot, at least I see that the word Vizot appears. Vizot Abracha is the beginning of the, of the last parasha in the Torah, which starts with the words Vizot Habracha. So what is it, what do I have? I have Hashem Natan Chokhmah, and then I have Vizot Asher Diber Lahem Avihem, Vizot Asher Diber Lahem Avihem, and then we have Vizot Habracha, and then we have Me'it Hashem Haita Zot, a in Tehillim, we all know that pasuk. I don't understand anything. So far, I don't understand. 
I'm sorry, Elishmot Rabbah, Elishmot Rabbah, Vizot HaTrumah, Asher Tikhu Me'itam, Knesset Yisrael, Shehi Trumah. Vizot HaTrumah, Asher Tikhu Me'itam. What does the Medrash explain? What's the word Trumah mean? Knesset Yisrael. Right, Vizot HaTrumah, Asher Tikhu Me'itam. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, take Truma. What are you going to take? Knesset Yisrael. Shehi Truma. Shinemar. And then there's a posseg in Yirmiyahu. Kodesh Yisrael Lashem. Reshit Tevuato. So Yisrael is Reshit. And Reshit is Truma. So here we have, we have six psukim, right, one after the other in the Ramban. And the Ramban thinks he's explaining something to us. And we haven't got a clue what the Ramban is talking about, I think. I mean, it's good, it's very good to be able to admit that you don't know what he's talking about. Because at least then you might be able to figure it out. If you, think, if you don't admit it, then what are you going to do? You have to just kind of avoid the issue. So listen, he says, Visham, Shemot Rabbah, this is Parashat Lamed Gimel, Od Amar Lahem HaKadosh Baruch Yisrael, listen to this, this is the Medrash Rabbah, Medrash Rabbah is not a Kabbalistic text to the best of my knowledge. Even though the Kabbalists I want to say, of course, that everything's a Kabbalistic text. But I mean, certainly not obvious, certainly not necessary, certainly people learn Medrash without knowing Kabbalah. But so let's assume it's not a Kabbalistic text. What does it say in the Medrash? Quote, quote in the Medrash. Uh, Macharti lachem Torati. Uchiviachol nimkarti ima. Shinemar viikuli truma. Kia truma tieli vani ima. Kederch do diliva anilo. Let's look at that, get that line again. It's a wonderful medrash. It's a wonderful medrash. It opens up doors. See the medrash? Avisham odamar lehem hakadosh baruch hu liyisrael macharti lachem torati. What does that mean? I thought Hashem gave us the Torah. What is macharti lachem torati? Macharti lachem torati means you have to pay a price. I. You got the Torah, but you have to pay the price. What's the price? What's the price for receiving the Torah? Um, and it says, though God was sold to B'nai Yisrael with the Torah, sold himself, Kavyachol to B'nai Yisrael with the Torah, Shene'emar v'ekhuli 
תשומה, כי התשומה תהיה לי מהנעימה. What's the תשומה? What's the תשומה? The תשומה is to build the משכן. Why does B'nai Yisrael have to build the משכן? Why do they have to build the משכן? Because if they have the Torah, that means they have to have, they also have the Shekhinah. Right, you know that, that in Pirkei Ovos it says, Rav Tzadok says, that if ten people eat together, the Shekhinah eats with them. Five people, three people, I'm sorry, if ten people learn Torah together, the Shekhinah is with them. And then the Mishnah goes on to say, even five people, even three people, even two people, even one person who learns Torah, the Shekhinah is with them. So if you remember that Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, then what did Matan Torah produce besides the Torah? What did Matan Torah... You know, like, you could say, stop. Why was the first mitzvah that Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded to command B'nai Yisrael to build a Mishkan? Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu come and tell everybody they should eat matzahs on Pesach or that they should put on tefillin? What do you have to tell them? What's the Mishkan? How did Mishkan become the number one mitzvah in the world? Okay, everybody has an answer to that question. But just leave that question be for a minute now. According to this Midrash, according to this Midrash, the Torah produces a remarkable power in people. And that is that if you learn the Torah, the Shekhinah is with you. The Shekhinah is with you if it's one person or two or three or five or ten, it doesn't matter. The Shekhinah is with those who learn the Torah. So the Medrash says, when I gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, Macharti, when I gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, I gave Kaviyachol myself to B'nai Yisrael, meaning that everybody who learns Torah can, can make it into a spiritual experience because God is with them. God is with them in learning. And that's why Talmud Torah is democratic. Talmud Torah is there, even though it's an intellectual a, 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 a event, it's for, you use your brain when you try to learn Torah. Nevertheless, the Torah obligates everybody to do it. Why does the Torah do it? You have people who are very, very clever, very, very knowledgeable, very, very uh, overwhelmingly, you know, powerful minds. So they should learn Torah. What are everybody else doing learning Torah? I mean, it's sort of a waste of time. Says, no. Spiritually, it's the best thing that any single person could do, even if the results are not the same for each of the different, each of the different people. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when I gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, I gave them an opportunity. And that opportunity was when they learned Torah to have the Shekhinah nearby, with them. But since the learning of the Torah puts the Shekhinah into the world in a more obvious manner, so what was it that B'nai Yisrael were obliged to do? What were B'nai Yisrael obliged to do at that time? They were obliged <coughs> to create for HaKadosh Baruch Hu a Makom, 
Abakov, what is a makom? What is a makom? A place where the Shechina can always be at peace. You see, people, they're not steady. They're not stable. I learned that there's a Nevesh Chaim. I learned, I learned that, uh, I happened to learn it today. <coughs> you know, there's the Gemara in Brochas, the, the Gemara in Brochas, Davlam and Hay, there's Machlogas Rabbi Yishmael or Shimon Yochai, whether you should learn Torah exclusively or you should learn Torah and work a little bit. So the Gemara says, well, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people uh, did the learning and the working bit and they were very successful, worked out very well. And there were some people who tried to just learn exclusively. It didn't work out. So the Gemara says, the Gemara itself says it. It sounds like the Gemara says, don't do that. Don't sit and learn exclusively because it's not going to be, it's not going to work out, not going to work out so well. On the other hand, so the Nebuchadnezzar says, well, it doesn't mean even if you're going to go and learn and do, and you're going to work. But it doesn't mean that you should ever stop thinking about the Torah. I mean, Nevesh Chaim must have thought that anything else is very simple. And it's only Torah that is difficult. He says, but everybody, Hirhure Torah, that you should always be doing. You should always be, be learning Torah. But people are not like that. People don't always learn Torah. So this ability to bring the Shekhinah into the world created a secondary obligation. And that secondary obligation was to make a place for the Shekhinah, a place that would represent Kedusha and Taro, sanctity and purity, and that there would never be, there would never be any, any problem in that place with each individual. There is a problem because sometimes he learns Torah and sometimes he doesn't learn Torah. Sometimes he does the right thing, sometimes he does the wrong thing. So the Shekhinah is not able to cleave to that person who's learning Torah permanently. It's not able to be there all the time. But in order for the Shekhinah to be with Am Yisrael, there had to be a place in their midst where the Shekhinah could always be. And that place is called the Mishkan. So I think that what the Medrash is saying... I think that what you see the Medrash, I'll read it again. The Torah and Hashinah are sold to B'day Israel. What's the payment they have to pay? What do they have to give? They have to give the Mishkan. That's what they have to give because the Mishkan is a place that makes it possible. B makes it possible for A to B to to happen. So now, if you look back at the Ramban in the beginning of Vayakel, see the Ramban at the top of, towards the top of the page. Ramban says, "Al derech emet hu kemo v'yeviehu im trumat Hashem." Yiviyah im Trumat Hashem. What is Trumat Hashem? Trumat Hashem is the Torah and the Shekhinah. What does he call it? Truma El Yonah. Truma El Yonah is this idea that Torah and Shekhinah go together. That you don't go out into some, you know, to, to the woods and sit, sit in a yoga position and, uh, and take drugs. You don't have to do that. I mean, maybe you want to do that, but you don't have to do that. What you could do is sit and learn Torah, and the Torah will inspire you to some sort of connection to the Shekhinah. And that's what the Pasuk in the beginning of Ayakel says. And that Pasuk in the beginning of Ayakel is in the beginning of Ayakel, right? 
And the beginning of Vayakal is the actual Sivui. It's where the Bnei Yisrael were obligated to make the, to make the, uh, the Mishkan. And so Moshe Rabbeinu says to Bnei Yisrael, listen, now that you've received the Torah, and now that you are who you are, and now that, uh, that, that the obligation of Talmud Torah is set in, now you have to build, you have to build the Mishkan. I want to look at the last, uh, the last, um, uh, source on, on the, on the second page which is the commentary of the Abba Suhula. The Abba Suhula, Mayor Abba Suhula was a Talmud of the Ramban, and he wrote a commentary trying to explain the Kabbalistic portions of the Ramban. It's, it's, it's in a separate book, which you could buy, but it's not so easy. You know, Abba Suhula. I don't know what the, how he got his name, what it means, but his, his own name was Meir. Meir Abba Sahula, which is not so bad. So here he explains our Pasuk. Perush. Vizot Shehi Hatruma. And what is the Truma? Chokhmat Shlomo. And what is Chokhmat Shlomo? That's something that God gave to Shlomo HaMelech. It's not smart, but it's connection. Hashem Natan Shlomo Chokhmat. The Chokhmat is Chokhmat Elokit. And that connected Shlomo in a special way to God. But this is all a quote of the Ramban. Right, so that's the zot. That's the zot in the pasuk. Zot abracha, veit Hashem ha'ita zot, ukfarim mazuha bebreshit rabah. This is where I am. Right, this up to now he sort of just uh, referred to the Ramban. This is also the Ramban, but he's going to explain it. Ukfarim mazuha bebreshit rabah, ketavo harav, beparashat vizot abracha, v'sham mevoar yoter, ube'el shvot rabah, here we are. Zot truma, Knesset Yisrael shehi truma, shenemar reshit vuato, behei, reshit vuato. Right, we read it vuato as though there was a vav at the end, but it's written in the Torah here. You see the pasuk in Yirmiyot? See at the bottom of the page? Page one. Kodesh Yisrael Hashem, reshit vuato. You see the word vuato? The last vowel in the word Tvuato is a cholam, O. Even though the last consonant in the word is a hey. So usually when you, with a hey, you would probably vocalize it Tvuata. But with the, but it's not vocalized that way. It's vocalized O. Tvuato, referring back to something else. So let's look back again. Zota Truma, Knesset Yisrael Shi Truma. What's the truma? What is the truma of Vizot truma? The truma is the Torah, which Hashem gave to Bnei Yisrael, Along with the Shekhinah, the Zot HaTruma, 
כי התשומה תהיה לי, ואני אימה כדרך דודי לי ואני לא. The truma is that which will make the bond, the connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael Perush. Ki mashma'ot v'ichuli truma mora shnei inyanim. Here is his comment. That v'ichuli truma teaches us two things. V'ichuli im ha-truma. You b'nei Yisrael, take me, Hashem, with the truma. The Torah, Kedech Dodili, Lanilo, oh, the other interpretation which is correct, Vichuli Truma, Kedech Vanilo, Keakol, Yichud Shela, Perush, Uvinyana Mishkan, Shiasulishkon Kvod, Varsam, Yichuli Truma, Ki Krivula, Li, so I would combine the two Perushim of the Abu Sahula and I would say this that the Pasuk if you look back on page 1 you see the Pasuk says in the middle of the page before the Rashi and the Ramban V'zota Truma V'zota Truma Asher Tikhu Me'itam Right? And in Vayakil it says, And that means, that means that there's a special divine truma. Just like by Shlomo HaMelech, the Chochmah was divine. Let me tell you something as a summary. If you would ask the question, why was it so important for B'nai Yisrael to build the Mishkan? What, what did they need the Mishkan for? They had the Ol Moed. Moshe Rabbeinu could have gone to the Ol Moed and gotten the Torah. I mean, what did they need this delineated place called Mishkan? Especially since the Mishkan was going to be taken down and put up again all the years in the Midbar. Why did, they, why did they need it? So the answer of the Ramban is that they needed the Mishkan. They needed the Mishkan in order to have a safe place for the Shekhinah. In order that there should be a place in the world where the Shekhinah can always reside. It will always be there because it's unchanging. It's it's part of the notion of Kedusha and, and Tahara. It's, it's unique. It's unique and it derives from the fact that B'nai Yisrael received the Torah, which itself is a matana, which is a mechirat, it's what it was sold to B'nai Yisrael. Sold means B'nai Yisrael have to pay the price, and the price that they have to pay is building, building the Mishkan. So Vayichu Li, Truma means that they, they have to take the truma that comes with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and exchange it for Zahav HaChazim and not because Zahav HaChazim and equals the Torah, but because the Zahav HaChazim and enables them to build a Mishkan, which is a safe place. Nobody ever went into the Mishkan, but the Shekhinah was always there, except for Moshe Rabbeinu, 
when he went to uh, to learn the Torah. So that, uh, okay, I think that that's, uh, that's what I have to say. And while it is true that it's not so easy to to understand exactly what the Ramban means to say. It is also true, it is also true that, that the Ramban offers us a door into seeing things a little bit differently. Like we see, we tend to think about things in our terms. Like why would we build a building? Why would we build a synagogue? Why would we be interested in, uh, in structure? Right, so that, that we have a certain, our interest in structure is as it is. But that may not be what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. It was not that the Mikdash was going to be for our benefit. We could show off. I mean, in the desert, there wasn't anybody to show off to. There wasn't anybody to, wasn't as though the Guinness Book of Record, World Records, would come and say, wow, this is the best Mishkan that was ever built. You know, the best tabernacle of all times. There wasn't any such issue. But the issue was, the issue really was, well, what do you do with God in your midst? I mean, how do you put up with such a thing? And we know that, that B'nai Yisrael, after they heard God speaking in Har Sinai, at least according to the way Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story in Zvarim, turned away. It was too much for them. This closeness, this face-to-face uh, a meeting with a Kaddish Baruch Hu was not something that they wanted to prolong or to have or to do. And they said, you Moshe Rabbeinu, you go and be our agent. And instead they got the Torah. And the Torah is what enables them to be close to a Kaddish Baruch Hu all the time whenever they learn Torah. But that's difficult. So there was this Mishkan. And the Mishkan was the delineation of a place, a place where the Shekhinah could be in this world, in this world all the time, day and night, year after year, during all the tra- tra- travail and travels in the, in the desert. And that's Vizos HaTruma. That's the Truma. The Truma is what God gave to Bnei Yisrael. And then Asher Tikhu Mitam is the building of the Mishkan that was a necessary mitzvah for B'nai Yisrael after receiving the Torah. Okay. Have a good Shabbat. How do I turn it off? Just press it. You're still recording. You just press them. Everything you do from the middle, you just press.